let's be honest, humans are pretty boring. You probably go to the same, take the same way to work, same way home. You're dropping your kids off at school, picking them up at the same time, maybe going to the gym at the same time in the day, going to a lot of the same places for lunch, right? We're creatures of habit. And that plays out in all the data that we see. And so as a marketer, you know, something to think about is it's less about what category am I in and more about am I reaching my audience at the right place and at the right time so that I'm, I'm displaying relevant messaging and I'm being really efficient about my buy and targeting those locations where I think my audience is going to be so that I'm delivering that on-target message. But then you think about the social landscape. The research and data is hugely significant. When we combine all of these different touch points. Build that long-term loyalty. And then diving into the clicks to leads to sales. It's gotten to a point where it can drive better results in audience targeting. And really is what's going to set you apart. You're tuning in. You're tuning in. You're tuning in to the How Agencies Thrive podcast. Hello and welcome to the How Agencies Thrive podcast. My name is Matt, and I'm on the education and development team at Stack Adapt, and today we have a very special episode centered around digital out of home. This year, this ad format is on an upward trajectory, so let's peel back the layers a little bit and get a comprehensive understanding of how you can leverage this in your upcoming campaigns. Today, we're joined by Chris Allison, who's the VP of Platform Partnerships at Vistar Media. So welcome, Chris. And as always, we like to get a better sense of who our guests are and what their experience is. So to help get everybody up to speed, tell us a little bit about Vistar Media, along with yourself, your role, and your experience in the industry. Matt, thanks for having me. For the audience, again, my name is Chris Allison. Uh, I run our platform partnerships at Vistar Media. I've been at Vistar for over five years, and um, and and really, you know, my team's focus is really growing our omnichannel DSP partners. And and really, uh, you know, getting them to a place where uh, they they are investing in the digital out of home space with the same level of efficacy that they are with with any other channel, and uh, and so Vistar Media for for the audience here is um, is really the uh, leading and largest uh, global programmatic digital out of home marketplace. Uh, we've been doing it for ten years. Uh, our two co-founders, uh, Michael Provenzano and Mark Chadwick, were actually part of the original co-founding team of a company so many years back called Invite Media, which some of you may know uh, now is um, you know Google's double-click bid manager. So suffice it to say, they they knew um, a thing or two about uh, the programmatic space. And you know, early early days at Vistar, they really just saw an interesting opportunity with uh, with the digital out of home space because there were. Uh, there was so much fragmentation. You had so many different media owners, different CMSs that they were using. There wasn't really an easy way to just log into a system and start buying, you know, across all the digital auto home media today. And so I think your original question around like, you know, what is digital auto home sort of coming to that, it, it's more than just billboards, right? And I think that's the first thing that people think about. And don't get me wrong. We love our billboard partners. Uh, they are a huge share of any marketer's digital out of home spend. Um, it, it tends to be viewed as, you know, sort of a, a critical um, investment in terms of diversity of venue types. But billboards are, you know, one of many venue types in our ecosystem. So think about it. Like we're talking about malls, doctors' offices, schools, taxis, office buildings, and you know, and there's so much more. Really, really, it's just a great opportunity to reach people when they're arguably more receptive to advertising in these sort of like transistory moments of the day. So think about like driving to work, 
or, you know, waiting in the elevator and you see a little screen there, right? Or you're sitting at the bar, maybe you're watching the game or you're at the elliptical, right? You're, you're exercising at the gym and you see a screen there, right? Or maybe even at the checkout aisle, right? When you're at the grocery store and have an opportunity to, to see relevant messaging there. Again, so many different screens. Uh, the simplest way to look at it is it's really any non-private device used for advertising. So if it's a public screen, it's available, and uh, that media owner has opted in for advertising, that's an opportunity for a marketer to, to reach their uh, consumer, again, at, at all these really interesting times in the day, on their path to purchase. And uh, and, and the coolest thing about it to me is um, even since I started at Vistar, there are all you know new media owners bringing really interesting inventory into the market in ways that you might not think about, whether it's like an electric vehicle charging station, whether it's you know audio in a grocery store, and and you know even media that I didn't even think was possible to be made available through software. So, you know, Times Square is, is now largely available through programmatic pipes, right? You can buy Clear Channel, New Tradition, Outfront, Branded Cities, right? All the all those uh, you know spectacular screens you would think are only available for direct buys are actually now available programmatically. And then think about the movie theaters, right? I don't even think you could actually do this, but, you know, right before the movie plays, um, if you get there early and, and personally, you know, when I do go to the movies with my wife, the preference for us is to show up early. I like relaxing, just kind of watching the previews, getting even earlier there. You see a lot of ads before the previews start. So we have a partner at Screen Vision that makes their inventory available. Uh, programmatically. So uh, once you start to kind of peel back, you know, and, and look under the hood, so to speak, you start to realize, wow, this is a really robust ecosystem that has all kinds of really relevant um, inventory. And it all depends on, you know, sort of what your, uh, what your goals are, and, you know, the type of message you're trying to get out there in market. Fantastic. And and my first question, just to help get everybody up to speed, you know, some of our listeners are a little bit more versed in this topic. Some are just learning about it for the first time. But when we think of you know your traditional out of home advertising, how does digital out of home differ? What are some of those benefits of using digital out of home and putting your media dollars towards it? But I think uh, digital digital out of home is um, one of those mediums that I think historically has been you know a challenge for folks to measure the effectiveness of right. And a lot of questions that that we get from you know our buyers and our, and our partners are well you know what who is digital at home best suited for you know are there certain verticals that you know uh, advertisers are do better at in digital at home versus others and you know I would say it's true that there's some verticals that were always invested heavily in the channel and you know think about like local advertising local advertising is about forty percent of the, the digital at home market the rest is you know largely national but you know, local's done really well, and it's uh, a you know great messaging to drive people to your you know local QSR or retail location, right? That's that's sort of like the natural way that, that folks have been thinking about digital to home. But since it's become easier to activate, right, and 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 measure the effectiveness, we're actually seeing an increase in so many other categories. Um, whether it's like an event an event based play, we, there's a concert that's um, you know going to happen you know over the weekend, or it's a Super Bowl, or uh, MLB playoffs, you name it to you know your um, advertisers that want to do a consistent quarter over quarter buy in the finance category uh, telcos retail government I mean you name it 
so many of the campaigns that have been historically exclusive to online displaying mobile and so forth are now, you know, really starting to buy in and invest in, in the out of home space. The other thing we observed is a lot of buyers who had been buying a lot of video and CTV are actually now extending those buys into digital out of home. And so, you know, about 80% of our inventory right now supports video. And 70% of the campaigns that we see are actually video extensions of that same asset into digital to home. So they they were buying video, you know, online or they were buying that, they were buying video on a CTV environment. And they said, you know what, this asset actually would port really easily into digital to home. And they'll just take that same exact asset through a vast tag and then push it into our um, into our exchange. And so it's become a a parity play. It's become a real great extension of other uh, you know, media channels, and and we make it really easy for for buyers to do that. Alcohol is another category. Alcohol brands have have done really well because we've built a lot of technology into you know venue management. So you know, media owners have screens everywhere, but they want to make sure that that alcohol ad uh, is only playing in areas that are over indexing for you know ages twenty one and up. Right, LDA compliance is something that's top of mind for for media owners and making sure that they're adhering to all the local restrictions that might be in place. And, uh, and so that our SSP um, allows media owners to manage uh, at the venue level, any restriction, uh, whether it's politics, you know, cannabis, smoking, you know, uh, alcohol, whatever the case may be, any sensitive advertiser category, uh, they can decide whether or not any individual screen you know, should be excluded from a particular category. And because that's all built into the technology and our integrations with buyers, they don't really have to worry about that. They can just upload their their asset and start to run, um, you know, those, those campaigns in the exchange without, you know, being concerned about showing up on the wrong screen for whatever reason. And so I guess to, to sort of summarize a lot of this, a lot of that underlying foundation of technology that made these things a challenge so many years ago is now, you know, being bridged and in a place now where it's it's pretty automatic. Fantastic. And it's it's interesting you bring up the compliance piece because I think that's that's something that advertisers think about a lot is, you know, hey, I'm gonna run my ads and I'm gonna do my absolute best to make sure that it gets in front of the right people. But I guess yeah, with with digital out of home, it's it's out in the wild and and not something that you would have to be concerned about. And you know, it's interesting. You also brought up some more sensitive verticals. Now, were there any other verticals that, for any advertisers listening, you would recommend would be best suited for digital out of home? Yeah, you know, I think uh, instead of thinking about the vertical, one way of thinking about it as a marketer is who's your audience, and does your audience leave the home during the day, right? And the answer is probably yes. You know, people are are doing all sorts of different things throughout the day. And a lot of their movement behavior is routine-based, right? I mean, let's be honest. Humans are pretty boring. You probably go to the same, take the same way to work, same way home. You're dropping your kids off at, the, uh, at school, picking them up at the same time, maybe going to the gym at the same time of the day, going to a lot of the same places for lunch, right? We're, we're creatures of habit. And that plays out in all the data that we see. And so as a marketer, you know, something to think about is, all right, well, um, it's, it's less about what category am I in and more about, am I reaching my audience at the right place and at the right time so that I'm, I'm displaying relevant messaging and I'm being really efficient about my buy and targeting those locations where I think my audience is going to be. 
so that I'm delivering that on-target message. Now, shifting gears a little bit here in terms of measurement, I think that's a big topic for a lot of advertisers who are looking to shift into digital at home. For anyone who's listening, how does measurement work and how does effective measurement happen and and how do how do we even track who's looked at a digital out of home ad and how do we track our you know our return on ad yeah, spend? It's a really good question and um you know it's certainly something that I had no idea was even possible before I uh, entered the space you know I've been in programmatic for a while and the thought of being able to measure the effectiveness of out of home was actually surprising so a lot of folks who aren't accustomed to how this works in digital out of home might be surprised to find that uh, we do have a pretty robust you know, suite of measurement options for buyers. And we've got a great playbook on how this works. But essentially, what, what all this comes down to is determining whether you know, someone was exposed to that digital out-of-home campaign. We know, you know where and when the ad's going to be played. We know all the locations of all the screens down to the lat-long level in our network. So that's great. And what we can do is we can use opt-in GPS panel data to see you know, what mobile IDs we're within the proximity of that digital out of home screen when the ad played, right? And so this helps us establish who was actually exposed to that campaign, right? So now you have your sort of exposed cohort and you can take that exposed cohort and sort of compare it to uh, a controlled group. And that uh, allows us to do all kinds of great things around brand study, footfall, you know, looking at sales lift. You know, we work with some great partners like IRI, M4, Dynata, Ninth Decimal, a lot of uh, Foursquare, a lot of you know great partners that are uh, playing in this space who um, you know have some really robust offerings around being able to measure the success of digital out of home. And in fact, we see about you know a third of our campaigns have measurement attached to it. So that's a pretty pretty big number. Thinking about how so many for so many years we haven't been able to actually, you know, measure the success of digital at home, the fact that, you know, we're doing it on one out of every three campaigns, uh, to me demonstrates, you know, how much the marketers really want to be able to measure it and how effective it is for marketers once they are able to measure it to say, okay, well, you know, I'm finding that this particular DMA is outperforming another. I'm going to start to optimize my spend uh, closer to one venue type versus another or a certain DMA. And uh, and that's the power of, of programmatic, being able to dynamically uh, allocate media based off of what's performing and then shift away from areas that may not be performing for the marketer. So Chris, just to bring everybody up to speed and and really frame into, into the marketing funnel, if we're talking about top of funnel, mid funnel, bottom funnel, where does digital out of home best fit? And where does digital out of home best fit in, in your overall marketing strategy? Yeah, and I think really this comes down to the, the type of advertiser and um, you know what category they play in. But we, we see that out of home has a place across the entire funnel. You know, e-commerce, for example, uh, out of home tends to be about awareness and brand building. It's going to be a lot more difficult to you know run that shoe campaign and make sure that you know we see how many. Uh, shoes were purchased off the back of that particular, you know, out of home campaign. However, it does, you know, create that 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 higher level awareness and brand building, and then bring people into that funnel, right? Whereas, think of like uh, a QSR, like McDonald's, is really getting someone to convert that minute, right? How do I get someone to get off the highway and um, 
and then get to the drive-thru at McDonald's, for instance, right? So very different types of advertisers and, and what their objectives are, their call to action, and then point of purchase, right? Being able to influence at the decision of moment of buying. I talked a little bit about, you know, uh, grocery stores, convenience stores, you know, screens in, in that really desirable point of purchase location inside of a Walmart or Target, for instance, right? Those are, you know, exciting locations to reach an audience when they're, you know, in that moment of buying. And so it's it's really about thinking about all the the types of inventory that exists in the digital of home space and saying like, where does this play in that path to purchase, right? Um, is this at the point of purchase? Is it in a contextually relevant location that might align really well with, you know, how the brand's thinking about their brand perception. A lot of health brands do really well and they spend a lot of uh, investment in uh, in gyms, right? So we have some really great gym partners. Uh, Zoom TV is a, is, a, is a great example of, uh, of a partner that just aligns from that contextual perspective, right? And so we've got tons of examples about that, but I would encourage, you know, the audience to, you know, dig, dig into it and see, you know, what, what type of inventory we have out there in the market and, you know, look at some of the case studies and, um, you know, some of the different ways that uh, out of home has been deployed and, um, and, and of course, test and learn, right? That's the beauty of programmatic. We, we measure it, we figure out what works, what doesn't and start to, you know, optimize our spend over time. Fantastic. Now, Chris, I want to challenge you a little bit here to not just think about, what's presently going on with digital at home or what's going on in the near future, what 2023 looks like, but what's happening with digital at home that is going to have a large impact in the next five years. And what are some emerging trends that we're seeing that advertisers should be paying attention to? Yeah. And I think one of the uh, cool things just if, for a moment, if we look back at what's happened so far is if you have a digital at home media network today, especially in the US and Canada, Australia, a lot of these markets that have adopted programmatic at high rates. If you are a, a digital home media owner, having a programmatic offering is table stakes. You have to be connected to a Vistar, right? You you need this in order to uh, to meet your revenue goals, right? And so for many years that wasn't the case, right? You you didn't you weren't really able to activate and and buy out of home using a software platform like Stack of that programmatically. That is no longer really the case. Now you can really have a single point of access to activate across basically the entirety of uh, the digital out-of-home ecosystem. And, and so where do we go from here now that you know, arguably a lot of the pipes have been built? Uh, what we're seeing is there, that digital out-of-home is uh, shifting away from being in that kind of silo to how do we integrate this into an omni-channel strategy, right? How do we, as a, as a platform, you know, make digital out of home really intuitive and make it easier for buyers to, to just click a button, upload their creative, just in the same way that they've been buying display, buying mobile, right, video um, at the brand strategy level, right? It's just totally integrated, incorporated into an omni-channel approach, and not this sort of standalone thing in a silo. And you know, those things are happening right now. We are seeing platforms, you know, start to build those capabilities, uh, building their own planning tools, building that those, um, you know, that connective tissue that eventually 
digital out of home is really no longer viewed as the separate thing, but it but really is incorporated. So I think that's that's one sort of pillar in my mind of what 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 you should uh, expect to see in the future. Now I did say that we had you know a great footprint from an inventory perspective, but to build on that, there will be new inventory entering the marketplace, new formats, new context to engage customers. I would never have thought of an EV charging station as an opportunity to reach a marketer or audio out of home in a grocery store in between when you know PSA messaging is being played to to reach a consumer. You know, who knows what'll be be next in the market, right? There's there's a lot of ingenuity out there, opportunities to reach um, your desired audience. And uh, when there's a will, there's a way. So I would definitely expect new formats to come up and what those will look like. I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm certain that's going to continue to be an area of focus. Uh, there's a lot of new media owners that are entering the space. Like I said, the the cost of um, of, of a display of you know TV screens used to be so expensive, right? And you know it's increasingly cheaper and cheaper to to buy a TV screen or an iPad and so forth. And so you're going to see more inventory, more media networks uh, start to play in the space, and and it's going to have some opportunity for diversification. And then the last sort of pillar I would say is really around creative. I mean, there's there's been a lot of uh, discussion and, and buyers always have the question of like, what's the right sort of creative approach that I need to take? And everyone's going to be different, right? And and especially, you know, national advertisers, folks that uh, are buying with across a, a whole swath of different locations and triggers and so forth, there's going to be uh, a lot more investment into the creative to make sure that the ad is high quality. The capabilities now, like things like dynamic creative are really emerging in the space. And that just wasn't possible years ago. Uh, so I would definitely expect over time, a lot of these things that maybe table stakes and other channels become table stakes, table stakes in digital out of home. And, uh, and ultimately, what that means is it really just drives a new level of relevance for the customer, right? They're, they're going to be able to see better quality, better targeted advertising, something that's more relevant, that's going to engage them. And ultimately, I think the outcome is a more robust industry that continues to grow as a share of of all the digital channels. So that's that's what I'm thinking about. That's that's kind of top of mind for me. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a, a great episode uh, for any of our listeners. We hope that you took a lot away from this. We're excited to see what you'll accomplish in your upcoming campaigns. So until next time, this has been the How Agencies Thrive podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the How Agencies Thrive podcast. If you like what you heard, then there's three things that you can do to support the show. Number one, subscribe. Number two, leave us a review. And number three, share our podcast on social media or with anyone who might find value in this content. If you have questions or feedback or just want to learn how agencies and brands work with StackAdapt, you can find us at stackadapt.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.